if um, you have ever tried balancing across a thin beam or a tightrope, you may have noticed that um, the process of balancing consists of falling to the left and catching yourself, falling to the right and catching yourself. And as you get better and better at it, you know, you kind of wobble to the left, wobble to the right. And then eventually, if you keep practicing, you're, you know, kind of in the zone and you can just walk across it as if it were the floor. So the mind is the same way in some ways. It uh, wants to fall left into the past, right into the future, into desire, into aversion, um, contracted, expanded. It just keeps uh, you know, going in these different directions. And as we settle the mind, uh, we get it's a little bit less and less. And then we get these periods where the mind is kind of stable. The present moment is the only moment when our life is balanced. And, um, you know, if we're feeling sleepy or dreamy, uh, I think we've all experienced that, uh, you know, if we try to get a little more energy in, you know, we can balance it with a deep breath sometimes, sitting up straighter. Or if we're restless, you know, we might notice we can balance ourselves by taking maybe a deep breath and relaxing our muscles. Um, but as the mind gets quieter and quieter, the balancing we do isn't so, so uh, coarse. It's just, it begins to become much more subtle. And as we're talking about the, um, the steps of the Anapanasati Sutta, uh, that's a lot of what we're, um, uh, we're doing. We're um, balancing the mind between the investigative powers of the mind and the um, tranquility part of the mind. So for instance, um, we, um, in the first tetrad, you know, we're knowing the mind, we're exploring the mind, looking at it um, really close to the breath. What is that experience? That's the insight aspect of the mind. And then we're um, knowing the body. Again, that's the inside aspect. We're really connecting with uh, the details of that experience. But then we bring the tranquility aspects of calming the bodily formations. And same thing with calming the mental formations. And, um, and as we go into the uh, knowing or mind states, then we balance it with the tranquility aspect of uh, brightening the mind. Uh, so often when we use these steps, you know, we don't, you know, we might use them, you know, step by step and develop it during a sitting, uh, but we also can use them as a balance as we need them. You know, the mind is uh, used to being a certain way. You know, kind of a certain level of happiness. Some people call it a set point. And um, 
So, you know, we kind of go along our lives with kind of this basic level of happiness and something kind of that we think is good happens, exciting. And, you know, we kind of um, get really happy for a little while and then kind of drop down into that same, back into that same level of happiness. Or if something um, we don't like happens, um, you know, something sad or disturbing, again, we might get really sad or upset, but then kind of, you know, rise back up to that same level. And, but when we learn a skill, you know, like ringing this bell, um, we first, um, you know, have to consciously learn how, you know, how hard do we hit it, you know. Uh, you know, startle everybody out of their meditation really loud. Um, it's been done. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we start a little gently and, you know, whoops, you know, and, and you know, and, and eventually you do it enough times, you, um, you know, if you're paying attention, you get into the, the you get that skill, that level of, of ease with it. And, it, you know, it's similar with our practice. So as, as we keep practicing, uh, we keep refining that set point of our mind. You know, we get a little bit better at it. We keep, uh, you know, shifting the balance of that set point of happiness to a little bit happier. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe we used to be grumpy all of the time. And, you know, now after a few years of practice, we're grumpy half the time. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so um, you know, when I was in my teens, I got involved with a spiritual organization where uh, we felt pressured to be positive all the time, uh, to, you know, pretend we didn't have any negative emotions, you know. And if anybody asks you how you are, you know, you really pretty much needed to say, great, with a lot of enthusiasm. And, um, you know, and it's probably one of the reasons that I didn't stand that organization that long. Um, you know, I felt that there was just, it you know, felt kind of phony to me, you know. But, so years later, you know, when I started in the insight practice, um, I was exposed to loving-kindness practice. And um, my first impression of it was, it was syrupy, you know. It was, uh, I just imagined this, this you know, phoniness, trying to be loving when you weren't being loving, you know. And it took me a while to actually understand what this was all about. And um, that we're not trying to force something to happen when we cultivate these wholesome states of mind, of compassion, loving kindness, frightening the mind. We're actually connecting with what's already inside us. And uh, we're encouraging it. And when we connect with it, it reinforces it. And that's how we cultivate these aspects of mind. And without those aspects of mind, we don't have balance. You know, we can be so precise in watching the breath, but without that uh, tranquility that comes uh, from developing the heart this way, developing uh, the peacefulness of the mind, um, you're, we're never going to see clearly. You know, it's kind of like a really calm ocean. You know, you can just look really f 
far down sometimes and really see, uh, see the bottom in some areas, or you can see really far in the distance. And so this tranquility really allows the vision of insight to come forth. Um, you know, sometimes um, it's hard to connect with those feelings, you know, with that brightness. You know, I remember, um, you know, one year, you know, the teacher was guiding us in a similar meditation, you know, and I just wasn't there, <laughs> you know, and I felt so, you know, so frustrated. I, you know, like it came halfway into the retreat, and I couldn't call forth any any brightness, you know, any anything, you know, warm. <laughs> and um, you know, it was it was a while later that I that I really connected with the with the concept of uh, inclining the mind in that direction, and that's enough. Um, you've probably, many of you have experienced uh, uh, setting your alarm clock in the morning and waking up before it rang, right? A lot of you have done that. Um, and it's like you've set that, in, that idea in your mind and the unconscious kind of brings it forth. And in the same way, when we incline our mind towards brightness, towards uh, loving kindness, when we don't feel that way, but, but we feel the need for that balance, um, you know, just that inclination allows the kind of the unconscious part of us to bring that forth. It's like, I like to think of it as we're inviting uh, inviting it to come. We're not saying, okay, come on, come on out, you know. We're just inviting it with an open hand. Um, I remember the uh, the first teacher I, I learned loving kindness from. Um, you know, she would talked about her first experience in learning it, and you know the the traditional way of teaching loving kindness is to uh, bring um, or one traditional way <laughs> uh, bringing um, uh, thoughts of loving kindness towards a mentor. Because the idea is that a mentor is someone that's really easy to, to have those feelings for, to feel appreciation and love for. And, um, you know, she tried, no, nope, didn't work, you know, nothing, nothing good came, you know. So then she tried towards herself, uh-uh, that didn't work, you know. And, um, you know, and then friends, nothing, you know. It just couldn't, couldn't even muck up an ounce of, of positive energy. And, um, you know, and finally she realized the easiest, the easiest being for her to love was her dog. And, uh, boy, that came easily for her. It was just, uh, and, you know, I really identify with that. It's, you know, they, um, um, you know, they're so forgiving, you know, they're so um, uh, accepting of us. And so that's what she used to develop the practice. And, um, and so we go with what's available to us at any given time. And, um, and I've always found, if I allow it, that it's enough. Whatever's available is enough. And just encourage the mind, invite the mind. One of the... Um, 
one of the things that uh, in my early days of practice that I became really acutely aware of, and I have a feeling some of you have shared this experience, is how judgmental I was. And I don't think there was a single human being I didn't have a negative thought about, (laughs) Uh, including the people I loved, um, and particularly myself. And, um, you know, and so finally, you know, I, I realized that how much suffering it was causing me. It caused some pleasure, too, which was what was seductive about it. But, um, but really, it, it, you know, created a lot of distance between me and other people. It made me feel, um, you know, not part of this, uh, just not part of life in a certain way. And um, one of my teachers recommended this practice, you know, that... Um, that I took to heart. And uh, the practice was uh, to go to a public place, and I chose um, an airport because I was there sh- soon after, and um, just sit somewhere where you can just watch people and, uh, you know, take the time to find something that you like in each person. And it didn't matter wh- what it was, whether it was, you know, significant, you know, or, or whether it was really minute and trivial. It didn't matter as long as it was something, um, something wholesome, something you liked, you know, something I liked. And, um, and the first time I did that, I, you know, I noticed, you know, it, it, was, it was wonderful because I noticed all these, uh, you know, great things. I noticed things that I, I would be so absorbed at an airport I would never would have noticed, uh, of, you know, just people being really uh, happy to see each other after a long separation, or just someone, um, you know, dancing along to the music and their headphones, you know, and really happily dancing, you know, and uh, not caring that anybody's looking, and just all the different people, like, you know, I found all these, you know, wonderful things to enjoy and appreciate. And then I saw this woman, um, and I think I just shared this with someone, t- uh, you know, last couple of days. But she was uh, dragging her kid, her like three or four-year-old kid, by the hand, and uh, really kind of angrily, you know. And and she wasn't hurting him physically, but um, you know, the kid was pretty unhappy from it. You know, felt um, he was really emotionally he was hurt, and. Um, all my self-righteousness, you know, rose full. And I looked, uh, you know, I looked at her and I go, oh, her too, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and so I looked and looked and, you know, I hated her sweater and, you know, and finally I saw she had this really pretty uh, socks she was wearing. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and, you know, and that was a seed, you know, that was a seed, you know, and, and so I kept doing this practice over over months, you know, when I'd be um, in gridlock, you know, or waiting in line, and um, and um, to my uh, delight, you know, I saw myself really, you know, shift. I didn't really notice when I shifted, but the that constant critical judgmentalness started becoming further and further apart, and less and less of it. And um, and I really started understanding the cultivation of a wholesome quality, how that works.
So it's really easy for the mind to lose balance. Okay, I'm sure most of you have experienced that at least a couple of times this last week. Um, and you know, when I first began to teach, I was, um, as a lot of new teachers do, you know, I was too concerned with getting everything right, you know, which made me kind of really tense. And so um, I spoke to Gil about it, you know, and he told me the story of uh, uh, Cobancino. And uh, I don't know how many of you know him. He was, he was um, local, um, uh, he taught locally through Jokoji. Um, he was a Zen master. And um, he fell asleep while he was giving a Dharma talk. <laughs> I <laughs> So it's easy for the mind to lose balance, right? <laughs> Even for a master. But the wonderful thing from what I understand was that he was embarrassed. You know, he just kind of woke up and kind of continued and he was okay, you know. And so um, that, w- that was great for me. <laughs> I haven't gotten that relaxed yet. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, if the mind gets too absorbed in investigation, you know, it, it can get, um, uh, you know, just so stuck in the details of things, you know, it can get, um, it can get a little bit dry or dull, you know, and so we balance it with, with the brightness, with feelings of well-being. Um, so, um, you know, so this is something that we're, we're continuously working with this balance, you know, the factors of awakening, the seven factors are also balancing between the energetic ones and the calming ones. It's a process that we do even as we get subtler and more and more refined. But as we um, get into the more refined states, we do with a really gentle touch. You know, it's like, you know, when we're just got here, you know, we're like, yeah, let me sit up straight, you know, and kind of these big moves, you know, and, um, you know, and when you get a little quieter, you know, that balance can be a really very gentle shift. It's like, oh, yeah, let me connect with, uh, you know, just the warmth in my heart, with the brightness, the gladness in my heart, just a very gentle uh, radiating of that. Um, the cultivation, as I said, the cultivation of gladdening is not about making something happen. It's uh, just bringing, shifting or attention to something that's there already. And you know, in the same way that right now you can shift your attention from your right hand to your left hand, we can shift your attention from uh, the breath, the uh, mental objects, even, you know, uh, spaciousness into, um, uh, of the mental states into uh, the feeling of brightness. We just shift the attention. It's not 
fabricating it. And again, if you can't quite connect with it, you can just shift your attention to that desire to connect with it, to brighten, to lighten. Um, so the, in meditation, um, there's like uh, different ways we can bring this forth. And one of them is really directly, is to actually reflect on the feeling tone of gladness. I mean, can you kind of mock that up in, you know, in your mind right now? What is the feeling tone of gladness? How does that feel? We can bring up the sense of delight as if it's radiating from the heart and filling the whole body. Um, another way that can be done is by um, reflecting on the Buddha. For, for those of us who are really inspired by the Buddha, is uh, really thinking about uh, connecting with our gratefulness for his teachings, a sense of, um, uh, you know, um, appreciation of the fact that he walked this path and we're following the same steps that he took to, um, you know, he was able to get rid of all the defilements and liberate himself, and we are walking on that path. And that sense of gratefulness for that teaching that is so precious can uh, really bring forth for many of us that sense of brightness, that sense of gladness. Another um, way of connecting with that is to take spaciousness or stillness as the object of meditation. So, um, um, just like, uh, you know, in a room like this, our mind tends to go to the objects in the room, the pillows, the people, but um, we can shift our attention to the space in the room so even as I'm talking, can you, can you feel how you can shift your attention to the space in, in which I'm talking? And so the mind can shift right into paying attention to space. And that can be a very, um, um, a very helpful uh, object to bring forth a brightness and a lightness of the mind. And often it can be really helpful just to go back to the first step, you know, of watching, just knowing the breath, knowing the breath. And um, it can give us a clarity. Yeah, I can really know this. And which gives us a sense of confidence, you know, really connected with the breath. And just that sense of clarity and confidence brightens the mind. So, um, you know, this is like you're going back to the beginning. Oops, I blew it. I'm back to the beginning. But it's, it's, um, uh, it can just bring forth the qualities we need. And um, doing our activities, um, you know, throughout the day, uh, we can bring... <laughs> We can bring forth. Um, um, give me a second. I'm still, still. Um, my mind's still fig- trying to figure that out. <laughs> okay, it's done. 
Um, so during the day we can bring forth that quality in, in, um, in, in our generosity. You know, when we think about being generous, that brightens the mind. And so, uh, I mean, I've uh, experienced so much generosity already on this retreat. Uh, you know, experiencing it through opening a door for someone or picking up a piece of trash, you know. And uh, there's like all these little things that we can do. I found um, it was just so sweet to find a, water, a bottle of water in the interview room, you know. And, um, you know, it's just this act of generosity. Um, and gratitude, you know, um, is another way, the thing that brightens the mind. Um, and I think many of you have experienced this tremendous gratitude every time we sit down for a meal, um, appreciating the, the wonderful food that comes from the earth and the, uh, the people who've cooked it here, the people who grew the food, transported it, um, uh, sold it to us, all the, um, the links of human beings involved in the process can really fill the heart with gratitude. And as we walk outside, um, we can, I'm sure we have all, you know, throughout this retreat connected with our appreciation for all the life outside. You know, the trees, the animals, so all those things just naturally, easily brighten the mind. So I'm going to um, want to share a, a short poem by Leonard Cohen um, that um, you know for me connects with this, and um, it's called Roshi. And it's, um, uh, you know, he wrote it about his teacher. Um, I never really understood what he said. But every now and then I find myself barking with the dog or bending with the irises or helping out in other little ways. So um, that's what I have tonight. It's a bit shorter than usual, um, but let's sit for a few minutes. <laughs> 